Today's sponsor is MailChimp, the world's leading email marketing platform. 12 million people use MailChimp every day to connect with their customers, market their products, and grow their e-commerce business. Send better email. Sell more stuff. My guest today is senior editor Phil Collar. My name is Charlie Hall, in for Justin McElroy. You're listening to Polygon's Quality Control. So, Phil, today we're here to talk about The Last Guardian. This is a game that people have been waiting for for almost 10 years now? Almost 10 years. It's, it's been a long time coming. So much has happened in gaming since we, uh, since we first heard about Trico the bird cat and our, yeah. our unnamed boy protagonist. So, so you got your chance to, to play with the game finally. About how long did you spend with it? Uh, it took me somewhere in the realm of 12 to 15 hours. I guess, uh, I got a trophy that was for completing the game in under 15 hours. So it must've been under 15, but they didn't give me an actual exact stat. I feel like it was close to 15 hours. All right. So it's a substantial game. It's not, you know, 40 hour epic RPG or something, but there's, there's meat on the bone. It's weird too, because I think it's going to vary a lot based off of how long it takes you to solve certain puzzles. Um, there's definitely certain rooms or certain areas where I got, uh, where I got stuck, let's say. Um, and I think that, um, I think, I suspect everybody playing the game will get stuck in at least a few spots, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, we'll get to, to more on the spots that you got stuck specifically soon, but for those that might not be familiar with the game, what, what is The Last Guardian? Uh, so this is the sort of spiritual successor to uh, Eco and Shadow of the Colossus, which are two uh, PlayStation 2 kind of cult classics. Um, I don't think Eco, Ico, whatever however you pronounce it, I don't think that ever sold super well. I think Shadow of the Colossus was a much bigger hit. Um, that, that one had a much more mainstream success. Um, this is the game from, from Fumito Ueda, who is the, the Japanese designer, who made those two games as well. Um, it is a, it's a third person sort of action adventure type of game. Um, you play a, a young boy and you are friends with, uh, or sorry, you, you're not friends with, but you, you discover and over the course of the game befriend this giant bird cat hybrid creature, um, who the game calls a Trico. Um, and the game is just you and this bird cat creature trying to, uh, work your way through these ruins and uh, escape from them, basically. Hmm. So the, the, one of the things that you pointed out very early in your review is that the developer kind of seems overly reliant on their own physics solution. So how did, dig into that a little bit more. How did that kind of complicate things for you? Uh, well, particularly, so it's, a lot of the game is puzzles, right? It's, um, you get put into a new area, and you have to figure out how can I get through this? Not just how can I get through this, but how can this giant creature who's with me get through this area? Um, and a lot of the puzzles, a lot of the puzzles revolve around feeding Trico. Uh, and it turns out that what Trico likes to eat are these uh, this weird substance that's um, in these barrels that you find around the ruins. Um, so 
a big portion of the game ends up being where where can I find some barrels and get, how can I get them to Trico? Um, now, since you're playing as a little boy and these barrels are, you know, pretty big size, you can carry them, but you can't jump with them. Um, so some of the puzzles revolve around tossing these barrels um, in order to uh, to get them to Trico, tossing them from like platform to platform. Um, and the the physics are not great here. Um, there's a lot of cases where like the the barrels just kind of bounce all over the place, and it's it's really frustrating getting through these segments. Um, but then beyond that, sort of on top of that the the character doesn't control really great either um like they wanted him to feel like a real awkward kid um which means that the controls don't don't feel very good um but there's a lot of like platforming and stuff and like things where you normally would want really tight controls um so sort of all these things together make it a really frustrating experience or at least it did for me i think some people will maybe be a little bit more forgiving than i am hmm well, another thing that kind of occurs to me, though, is that, that Ico and Shadow of the Colossus both play yep. so much with these companions that you've got. But, I mean, they never really felt, to me at least, like you were playing like one big escort mission, right? It sounds it sounds like Last Guardian's one big escort mission. Uh, kind of. It's it's not an escort mission. In the, so I think the, the traditional sense, the thing that people get annoyed by an escort missions, right? Is that um, you're not just responsible for your safety, you're you're responsible for the safety of this character that you don't have control over. The the issue in The Last Guardian is not that you have to worry about Trico's safety. Um, Trico is this giant beast. Trico can take care of itself better than you can take care of yourself in the game. Uh, You actually have no means of... when, When you run into enemies... You have no means of attacking them or doing anything. You kind of you actually have to depend on on Trico. Um, so it's sort of the inverse problem of an escort mission. Um, it's that you're really dependent on Trico both for combat and for puzzle solving. Um, and Trico doesn't always want to listen to you. <laughs> um, they they program Trico to be like an actual cat, which means you give orders, and sometimes Trico does what you ask, and sometimes Trico just stares at you. What? And uh, doesn't doesn't want to respond or doesn't want to do what you ask. Uh, it's it's meant to make the creature realistic, but from a gameplay design, that's really frustrating, right? Right. And I think what's particularly frustrating, I think I would be able to forgive it to some degree uh, in the right circumstances. What's particularly frustrating in this game is because so much of it is a puzzle game, so much of it is like, how do I get through this area? When I would give an order to Trico and Trico wouldn't respond, half of the time my my initial reaction to that would be like, well, if Trico isn't responding to this order, I must have the wrong idea about how to solve this puzzle. Well, because what else are you left to think, right? But that wasn't actually the case a lot of times. It was it was that I had the right idea, but Trico just didn't feel like doing what I asked Trico to do at that point in time. So... You know, from from the standpoint of making this into a realistic creature that acts realistically, it's brilliant. From the standpoint of, you know, making the game fun uh, and not frustrating, it's it's the opposite of that. That's fascinating. I'm going to stop you right there, Phil, because real quick, we need another message from this week's sponsor. 
This episode of Polygon Quality Control is brought to you by MailChimp. 12 million people use MailChimp to connect with their customers, marketing their products, and growing their e-commerce business every day. MailChimp has been around since 2001. The company actually started as a side project and was funded by various web development professionals, but now they're the world's leading email marketing platform. They send more than a billion emails every day. They democratized technology for small business and created innovative products that are empowering their customers to grow. When you connect your store with one of MailChimp's hundreds of e-commerce integrations, you can create targeted campaigns, automate product follow-ups, and send back-in-stock messages. Learn what your customers are purchasing and then send them better mail. MailChimp will also analyze their purchase history and make smart, data-driven predictions about what they're likely to buy in the future. It's enterprise-level tech made simple for everyone. Just got to drag it and drop it. Sending personalized product recommendations to your customers increases sales with just a few clicks. MailChimp detects purchasing patterns in your e-commerce data and then uses that data to automatically predict what your customers are going to buy. So you can target the right people with the right stuff. It's MailChimp. Send better email. Sell more stuff. So the other thing that kind of jumped out about your review for me, though, is that you're shouting these commands at Trico, but the game actually doesn't make it clear what the commands mean? Yeah, so um, there are... Okay, so there's a there's a button in the game that just shouts at Trico. That's kind of how you call Trico over, shout Trico's name. Uh and then on top of that, you can hold down that shout button and press any of the face buttons on the PlayStation 4 to do a variety of other commands. But the game is never explicit about what those commands are. Um, you know, like the game, the characters in the game, all sp- or the main character, I should say, there's only really one. But the boy speaks like a, a fake made up language, which is pretty normal. That's what uh, Eco and Shadow of the Colossus did as well. Um, but they subtitle it. The game does not subtitle what your what your character is saying with any of these commands, so you just kind of have to work it out. So, like, uh, I believe there's like if you hold down the shout button and then press triangle, which is the jump button, um, your character kind of jumps and shouts something at Trico, and eventually I kind of you know worked out, oh, that's that's how you tell Trico you want him to jump, um, but that's also how you tell Trico that you want it to sort of climb up onto a ledge to like pr- work a, serve as like a ladder for you. Um, and, and then there's other buttons that are a lot less specific like than that. Like there's one that like claps and points. And I think that's like, you're telling Trico go over here, but it's not entirely clear. Um, there's one that stomps on the ground. And I think that's, you're telling Trico to sit or to like stay. But again, it's not, it's never made clear. And this is just, kind of the interpretation I worked out over the course of this whole game. And then obviously a lot of these commands have multiple, um, multiple meanings that they're used across multiple puzzles in different ways. Uh, so it becomes, it becomes quite the task, I guess, just, uh, uh, juggling all of these and trying to figure out what they mean. Um, and, and it kind of, was weird to me that the game never makes it explicit, even though it does go out of its way to, you know, to subtitle all of the language and to make other things in the game explicit. It's constantly popping up a little um, controller icon to tell you, like, press X to hang from a ledge. Like, you learn that in the first 10 minutes of the game, 
you know, 10 hours later, it's still telling you that every time you're near a ledge. That's odd, but it's not necessarily like for this particular puzzle, you need to do this thing. Let me re remind you. It's just like, nope, here's a lingering tutorial thing. It's all over the place. Yeah. And it's, it's, so I guess, I guess the thing is not even necessarily just that they don't tell you what these commands mean, but that they're so inconsistent in what they do to tour tutorialize versus what they choose not to, not to make explicit. So capricious was this Trico that in your review you wrote that you would put the controller down and 10 or 15 minutes later come back to the game and he had just meandered into the right location on his own. Yeah. Yeah, that happened That happened more than once. There were probably at least two or three different puzzles where I got frustrated, I sat down the controller without pausing the game, turned away, and then by the time I turned back, suddenly... Trico was in the right position and I don't know, you know, I don't know if that was just because I had given the correct order, but that's how long it took Trico to like listen to me or if it was something where the game was just like, well, you got to this, you've been waiting this long. We're just going to put it in the right spot or like what I, I, I don't know what the deal was. And that's, that's part of what's fascinating about this game. And part of also what's frustrating about it is that is it is, it's very obscure, right? It's very, uh, ambiguous. You, it's not always clear what exactly I was supposed to be doing or what I had been doing wrong, if anything. So how was the payoff, though? How does this thing look? What are you making happen, and is it satisfying? Yeah, I mean, the the payoff is... Um, on, there, there are two levels to the payoff. There's an emotional payoff, which is, over the course of this game, both the main character and you, the player, are bonding with this creature. And I think the game does a really, really wonderful job of that. Um, it has these really emotional high points that that don't feel cheap. Um, it feels like the game really earns them because you're spending so much time with this creature. And, and there are so many scenarios that the game puts you in where it really realistically makes it so that these, you know, this boy and this creature depend on each other. Um, it makes you believe that they would really be friends by the end of this. Uh the other payoff is there are these huge spectacle moments, these big set pieces where, you know, you're you're riding on Trico's back as Trico leaps from platform to platform across this vast expanse. Um, and these are just really stunning to look at uh, and really drive home this uh, this incredible, beautiful world design that the game has. Um, those are the moments where I was like, OK, I see why this game could only exist on the PlayStation 4 why they couldn't have done it on the PS2 and they probably couldn't have even made it work on the PS3. You did point out, however, that it it does show the wear of its age, uh, and in in particular with some frame rate issues. Yeah, um, the I, I was playing on a launch PS4, so I should note that I was not playing on a PS4 Pro. Um, I, I don't have any experience as to how it works on a PS4 Pro, but... On a launch PS4, when you're in these big set piece moments, these you know super visually intense moments, um, the game slows down considerably. Um, it it the frame rate drops. Uh, there there were definitely times where it dropped, you know, below ten frames per second. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm I'm the furthest thing, Charlie, from like a hardcore frame rate guy. You know, I I can only barely tell the difference between 30 frames per second and 60 frames. Um, I care less about how, you know, how many frames per second as much as I just want the game to be 
consistent with whatever it chooses, right? Um, and this game is very much, in those bigger moments, very much inconsistent. It is all over the place. For so many people, Ico and Shadow of the Colossus are like formative memories, formative experiences of their their game playing careers, right? So, so does this let The Last Guardian sit next to those games? Is the story arc satisfying? Is it does it does it live up to those forebears? I think what I'll say is this: is that I think you know going back to Ico now. Um, it's certainly it's a great game, but it also has a lot of the same weaknesses that The Last Guardian has. Um, and, and you could probably make the same argument about Shadow of the Colossus, though I would argue that Shadow of the Colossus is, of the three, by far the best, or the most, most uh, uh, sound design-wise. But uh, if, you're, if you can forgive sort of the clumsier parts of Ico... I think there's a good chance that you'll be able to forgive those parts in The Last Guardian as well. Um, for me, it definitely dragged down the experience some. Um, that said, I still did like the game a lot, and I still do think it is, for many people, worth playing. Well, we'll link to your written review here in the show notes, and I appreciate the time today, Phil. Thank you so much for having me, Charlie. And thanks to you at home for listening today. We've got a lot more on Polygon.com, including an impossibly comprehensive review of the new Oculus Touch virtual reality motion controllers. Until we've got another game to talk about, this is Charlie Hall for Phil Collar. Thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. Integrate and connect your store with MailChimp in order to personalize and automate your marketing. Visit MailChimp.com to learn more.